0: This week is the final week of our series as we discover ordinary miracles. And this morning we're going into um, one of the shortest books of the Bible. I don't know if it is the shortest. It might be a tie between it and the book of Jude. I think actually Jude is longer. So this might be the shortest book of the Bible called Philemon. If you're looking for Philemon, it's going to be right near the back of your Bible. And it's just after Titus and before Hebrews. So if you're looking there, you can turn there. And as I was looking at this book this week, it's actually, it's interesting because it brought that memories of my time in seminary because my professor, Professor Weima, did an entire series of classes um, in my New Testament class on this book. And one of the things that he talked about was how um, Paul was trying to get something done that was really important to him. And so he knew the person who could help him with that. And that's actually something that all of us should be aware of in our lives don't you always need to know a guy? You know what I'm talking about? You need to know a guy. You need to know a guy or actually let's not limit it to just one gender. Sometimes that guy is a woman or a girl and you also need to know a girl. If you need to get something done, we have a pool at my house and if I have trouble with my pool motor or with my pool filter, I know a guy. If I have trouble with, uh, if I need flooring done in my home, I know a guy. If I actually, if there's other things that I don't know a guy, then I know a guy who knows a lot of guys. And actually her name is Rita Shaw. Rita Shaw knows everybody and can get almost anything done. So if you ever are wondering and you need a guy or a girl and you don't know who to call, your guy is Rita Shaw because she does literally know everybody, I think in the city of Redlands and surrounding area. But it's really important that we have that because otherwise sometimes we go into things with uh, confidence. We don't go into things with confidence. How many of you have had somebody that you didn't know connect with and they did some repair or something like that and you feel like you got sort of swindled or something like that? Anyone ever had that? Sure. But if you know a guy then you don't feel that level of confidence that when you interact with them, what you're asking them to do is something that you can trust not only will be done, but will be done right. This morning in our text, that's exactly where Paul is with his brother in Christ, Philemon. He needs something. He hopes that something will be done. And so he goes to the guy who can do it. As we enter into God's word this morning, let's pray for God's presence and blessing on our time. Father, we thank you to you are present here. We thank you, God, that you have given us the power of your word to speak to our hearts and our minds and remind us of how you are at work among us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that as we consider this story of Paul and Philemon discussing um, a life, a life that has value, a life that should be recognized and and be given freedom. That Lord, in that learning, that we can understand your call upon us to to continue to grow, to live into um, things that may be challenging for us. But as we understand how you live in them and how you call us towards them, that those things can grow in our hearts and our minds too. And that our lives in you us being followers of Jesus, can continue to grow and develop. We can become more Christ-like. Pray, Father, that you meet folks this morning who may not know you. There are certainly, I'm sure, people here who, who are wondering and have big questions about who Jesus is. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name that you touch hearts. That you prompt them to move towards the one who transforms them through the grace and the love of Christ. That Lord, that can be a movement that you do in hearts today. And those of us who have known Jesus for a very long time, prompt us and remind us again of just what power your grace and your love has in our lives. We pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, turn in your Bibles the book of Philemon. We're going to start with the first three verses, and it says this there. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So two people are writing this letter. Usually when it says something like that at the beginning, it may be that Timothy is the scribe, and Paul is the one speaking to him. But we're going to see how that actually changes over the course of the letter. So Paul is speaking to Timothy that Timothy might write a letter. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also Apthea, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you look at that, those three verses, that traditionally is called the greeting in Paul's Letters, And if you look especially at some of the more formulaic books, books like Romans, um, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, all those books will have some sort of greeting and even in the greeting... You see from the text that you can always already sort of understand what Paul is trying to do. And as we look at these three verses of the greeting, we can understand pretty quickly that Paul is, for lack of a better term, he's buttering up Philemon. And we see that in how he he addresses Philemon, he says, "My dear friend and fellow worker." Okay, so he's 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 complimenting him on on the friendship and that um, Philemon is a hard worker. But then he's also doing something pretty important. He's sending the, the letter to the whole church, so it's not just going to be Philemon who hears these words. It's going to be. For, For the whole church. And that actually becomes important as we read more of the letter. Now Philemon is a leader in the church of Colossae. And Colossae, if you know your scriptures well, is the place where Paul ultimately had sent the letter of Colossians. So if you want to see more about the Colossian church and maybe about some of the things that are going on in Philemon's group of believers, you can read the book of Colossians and understand some of those things that Paul is facing. But Paul is specifically targeting Philemon but he's also making sure that the rest of the church hears the words that he's giving. And you'll understand why as we continue reading. Verses 4 through 7 say this, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing, we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So, again, we're hearing some pretty nice language of Philemon. He's been a person who Paul describes as um, somebody who is a person of faith. He is a partner in the faith, and he's, he's he's hoping that this Philemon will deepen his understanding of who God is. And now, remember, Paul is sort of has an agenda here, and even in these words that he's using at the beginning of the letter, that will ultimately be heard by the whole church. He's he's already sort of setting the stage for what is to come when he begins to address who Onesimus is. And he's making sure that Philemon at least feels a sense that Paul has recognized the Holy Spirit in him thus far. And he's hoping and he's longing that as Philemon continues to grow, that he experiences more of the Holy Spirit. But he's also doing one thing pretty important. He's calling Philemon to be an example because he says this in verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Philemon has shown leadership. He's shown it in the past. He is, in a sense, the leader of this church. And Philemon is already setting that up so that as the letter continues, Philemon can hear, you've been a leader in the past, and here is another place where I would like you to show leadership. Now, we think about that in our world that challenge to show leadership, to show godliness, to be an example. And the reality of it is, friends, that all of us are that, especially this week and last week, as school starts or school started last week, we see that at work. We see that with our kids, right? I mean, all of these incredible, beautiful bodies that were up here with Mario receiving God's blessing, excited about the summer and excited about school starting and all that sort of stuff, they are kids that to whom all of us are that example. And I mean that to all of you. There is not a person in this room who is not in some way, shape, or form an example to that little child or, as they get older, People, uh, these, these, these people catch everything, don't they? In fact, isn't that sort of troubling sometimes, the things that your kids pick up from you over the years? Like all of a sudden you see that thing, oh yeah, oh man, that's me. And they saw it from me. You know, even some of those phrases and words, I still have it. Sometimes all of a sudden I say something and it's like my father is speaking in one ear and it's coming out of my mouth. That power, right? But we're also an example one to another. How we navigate challenges, how we navigate struggles, how we navigate whatever it is. Do we live in faith? Because frankly, we watch each other, don't we? We see that. We see the beautiful witness of a senior saint going through the end of life. And when they, when they go to be with Jesus, we celebrate the example that they have been to us. We see a person maybe a couple or two or three years further ahead along in life than we are. Maybe it's a person who's graduating from high school and we're a younger student. Maybe it's a person graduating from college and entering the workplace. Maybe it's a person entering into marriage. Maybe it's a person entering into parenthood or older children and some of the challenges of life. We're watching and seeing that example and Paul is leveraging that example in Philemon in the same way that we can. Live in the, that example to each other because that example has power. Godliness among us and as we live into it has power. And even, in fact, most especially when the most difficult trials come, how we navigate that speaks volumes to others around us about who we are in Christ. Are we tight? Are we grabbing on to faith, or are we living else- or otherwise? Paul is challenging Philemon to live into a sacrificial example because his godliness will have power in his community. The letter continues, verses eight through sixteen. Therefore, although Christ in, in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. So Onesimus is with Paul. We don't know how that meeting happened. Could have happened while Paul was in jail, and Onesimus could have been jailed along with Paul. It could have been simply during some of his journeys and missionary work that Paul was certainly doing in so many different places over the years. Could have happened there. But Paul and Onesimus have connected, and Onesimus is a slave to Philemon. But he's not with Philemon. The question arises, what happened? It seems that Onesimus is a runaway slave from Philemon. Now, a word about slavery. Certainly, slavery is an evil that needs to be um, combated, and we know that even in our world, slavery is still present, and in all forms is a a horrible, horrible thing. No person should ever have, quote-unquote, ownership over another, and it's something that should be combated. This Slavery that we're talking about in this historic time is still onerous, but it's a little bit different than we think of. In fact, slavery could be done at will. For example, if I were in great debt and there were somebody who had wealth, I could say to that person, I will become your slave until I can pay back that debt that I have, and then I will no longer be your slave. I will be a freed person. However, it could also be the onerousness of people who were conquered by another country, another power. And in that conquering, they took the people back from that country and made them slaves in the community that they had no choice in. And certainly there could be violence. There could be horrible things like rape and abuse and all that other sort of stuff. There were all these sort of different um, expressions of slavery. We're not sure exactly what expression of slavery we're talking about here. But what we do know is that Onesimus is a slave in debt, in some ways, either via ownership or debt, to Philemon. And Paul is addressing Philemon and saying, let's think about this differently. Let's think about this differently, not because of who you are, because we know Philemon, he was a leader, so he had power. He had some level of authority. He hosted the church in his home. That means he was a person of wealth. So he had power, wealth, and authority. But Paul is saying to him, in this situation, in this thing, you can exercise your power, wealth, And authority in the way that the world expresses it. He could ask the jailer to send Onesimus back into his home, beat him if he willed, and then set him back into slavery. Or you can live as a brother and sister of mine in Jesus Christ. You can do things like the world, or you can do things differently than the world. That's the challenge that Paul is putting in front of Philemon. And he's putting it in front of us. Because friends, we are in the same place as Philemon. We are people who so often have wealth. And we have power. And we have authority in our world. We are people who who have a say. Especially as Americans, as Westerners, we in the world have some level of power and authority. And the question that we constantly need to be asking, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in our politics, whether it be in our homes and our families, or in our neighborhoods and our cities, is are we going to exhibit anything that we have, including our power, our wealth, and our authority, in light of how the world does it, or are we going to do it as Christ calls us to do? As people who love one another and seek to serve one another and live in grace and encouragement to one another. And friends, i got to be honest, that, I, that should make us all a little uncomfortable. Because it doesn't make us uncomfortable, and then I don't think we're acknowledging exactly what sort of place we hold. We all should be asking that question in everything that we do. How we interact with our world, how we interact with our neighbor, how we interact with our friends, and even in this community. Are we willing to live into this as brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to, as Paul is asking Philemon, to sacrifice what it is that we could do for our own sake? And live instead into what Christ calls us to do, for the others' sake. Because Onesimus is the one at stake here, and Paul and Onesimus have a love relationship. Paul and Philemon have a love relationship, and now Paul is calling Philemon to have that sort of love relationship with Philemon. Do now no longer look at him in the way that you have before. Look at him instead through the lens of Jesus. The letter concludes. Verse 17. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Okay, everything up to there written by Timothy. Okay? Now Paul says this, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. When you see something like that, and it happens several times in letters, it means that Paul said to Timothy, Give me the pen, because i got to write it, because it's important that they see it from my hand, my words. So that's what's happening here. Paul says this, He says, see, I am writing this with my own hand. I will pay back, not to mention, I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. One more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. And so do Paul. Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, this is where Paul's, um, how he did this, his construction is sort of shown. He's asking Philemon to do something big. And he's already in the first beginning of the letter. He's told them that he's seen beauty in them, in him. He also sent this letter to the whole church so that the whole church can hear what Paul requests of Philemon. And now he put a cap, puts a cap on it and says, here's what I want you to do. Welcome Onesimus as a brother and no longer as a slave. Now, if you think about that, if, some, if everyone in this room knew that you had been requested to do something that another Christian leader thought was godly, if everyone knew and they were watching you, you would certainly feel a level of pressure, wouldn't you? I mean, Paul's really got, got Philemon here. He's got him sort of, in some ways, trapped. However, I want you to hear that Paul and Philemon... Have that close brotherhood relationship. It would be like this: I consider James for Hooven over there a friend, and there are things that I would ask of James. In fact, I've asked James several things. Hey, James, can I come over? Hey, James, can you do this with me? Hey, James, can you help me with this? And he, he's a person that I, I I I know. Even if I ask something that may sound selfish. James doesn't receive it as selfishness. He receives it as friendship, right? We have that level of relationship. He may still consider me selfish. You do, don't you, James? Never. Thank you. That may be the case. However, because we have that relationship, my request of James is different than if it were a person that I didn't know very well or maybe knew in passing. That's where Paul is with Philemon. His request is a big request. He's saying, give up a slave. Not only perhaps give up a slave, but even challenging him to rethink how he thinks of all of his slaves if he has more. We don't know that he does. He's also saying to him, be an example. And the whole church hears that he is called to be an example. And so the church can hold him accountable even to what Paul has requested him. Phinemon Phinemon has been challenged to go deeper in his walk with Jesus and told that in doing so, you can set an example for the church, those around you who will look at you and see more of Christ. And he does that to all of us. And he's looking straight at all of you. And he's saying, all of you have been given much and I am calling you to go deeper with me in your walk with me, in your love with me. Those things that you know that I have called you to, that you have been hesitant about. Others are watching to see if you will be an example of believing and trusting in me as I have given you the ability to, to live in relationship with me, with your gifts and with your talents and all that you have, my grace and love. And now you can be an example to one another of what it is that I am calling you to do. But you have to have the courage to do it. For Philemon to do this, he is sacrificing some of his power, his authority, and his money in the community. Because there are people who are outside the church who would say, Philemon, you're crazy. You're giving up something that you don't have to give up. Why are you doing that? And for Philemon to say to them, because Christ called me to it. Well, certainly that's a testimony to them, but they certainly might think he's crazy. But to the people in the church, can you imagine? Philemon, why are you doing this with Onesimus? He's come now, and instead of you making him stand outside and wait on us all, he's now sitting next to you. And you're in this relationship with him. What's going on? He is my brother in Christ. He's not my slave. Wow. There's power there. What is he calling you to What risk is he calling you into? What step? What thing that can be an example to another? Perhaps it is a calling. Perhaps it is a mission field. Perhaps it is an invitation that you're giving. Perhaps it is a change in your life, a change of career. A change of of how you do things, of of the things that you say, oh, that's not for me anymore. Maybe that's that's the exact thing for you and you're willing to say, yeah, I'm willing to be involved in this. Maybe even we think about that with legacy nights or some of these other opportunities to serve and love and care for one another. Maybe it's in the risk of caring for one another or forgiving one another. Being a person who creates a deeper connection with those who are around you by working on restoring relationship that may have been hurt or engendering relationship where it's not been before. and Living as an example then one to another. One of the huge challenges that we have in our world is our level of isolation and being in silos. And I think oftentimes God calls us. And I was even talking to somebody this morning who said, I don't really do that well hanging around people. You're right, but you know what? Through Christ, some of those things that you might do in that relationship might be beautiful. And maybe it's not a whole group. Maybe it's one person. Taking that risk with one person. Being willing to say, I care for you. I want to bless you. I want to be an encouragement to you. And be an example then to the rest of us of what that means. Even when it's challenging. It's part of what we can live into. And here's the beautiful part about what happens then. In inspiration, there's partnership. And partnership in the kingdom brings so much good stuff, friends. When you show me an example, and I see it in so many of you, I continue to think of my brother Harold, who is one of those people who it doesn't matter when you call Harold. If you need to ride somewhere, Harold's going to do it. I love the sacrifice. In fact, this week, Harold came into my office and he said to me, there's a big job ahead for me. And, and I'm, I'm, it's scary, but I'm willing to do it. And he said he was willing to do it. And I know that's a place where God is calling Harold to risk. And I pray that God blesses him in that task. But he's willing to do that. And you know what? That inspires me. Because I think if Harold can do it, why can't I? I see that in so many others. I see people taking on new new roles and tasks. I see Megan over here starting a new classroom this week. It's a risk. It's a big deal, big change. God will bless you. And your risk taking in faith is an inspiration to us. Jess Heckman over here also starting new role and responsibility. It's inspiring, sister taking a risk and God be praised for that. See what these people and so many others are willing to step into. There's a bunch of teachers this week who are taking kids in their classroom and if that's not a risk, I don't know what is. There's people here who are either new parents or anticipating being parents. That's a risk. We all know that. There's all these places where we can live into this stuff in obedience, being an example to one another because we know, he, you now know, Megan needs your encouragement. She needs your help. She needs your prayers. She's starting a big thing. Jess too, Harold too, all of us too. And in that partnership, the kingdom of God grows and God's power is exhibited in and through the community of faith as we live into it in obedience. That's the beauty of all this. Paul is calling Philemon to do something inspiring so that the kingdom may grow in the church. He's calling us to it too. He's calling me to it too. All of us. And as we live into that, we see the beauty of God's blessing among us. We're willing to take those risks, willing to take those steps of great faith, sacrificing something that even may be difficult to sacrifice, but doing it in obedience to Christ, beauty comes. Let's pray. Father, um, you do call us. You call us to take steps, steps of sacrifice, steps of faith. Steps, Lord, that take us beyond what we know and call us to give up, perhaps, things that we're comfortable with, things that that we're used to. But in the same way that you called Philemon to that sacrifice, you call call it to us. And in doing it in our lives, Lord, you set an example for others. You show show us through each other what it means to live out faith, to be in obedience to you, to sacrifice. And Lord, in that, our partnership grows, our inspiration grows, our mutual encouragement grows. I pray, Lord, that that's what we can live into as a community, that we can be encouraged and challenged by that in such a way, Lord, that you, most importantly, grow in us we experience and see and know more of you. And in knowing more of you, we long for even more than that. It brings us deeper into that relationship of love and grace with you and with each other. We pray that you do that work in us because you're the only one who can. In Christ's name we pray, amen.